Hello, Happy New Year and welcome to the first Reorg Europe podcast of 2020. My name is Richard Woolley and I am an editor in Reorg's London office. Today I'm joined by my fellow editor Luca Rossi, who's going to be discussing Officina Macaferri's proposed restructuring, and high-yield reporter Beatrice Mavrolian, who's going to talk about recent activity in the primary loan market. Uh, but first we're going to hear from uh, legal analyst Shan Qureshi, who's going to bring us up to speed on Aldesa's change of control put in light of news that China Railway could be acquiring a stake in the group. Shan, what's the background on Aldesa? Thanks, Richard. Yes, so Aldesa is a Spanish con- construction group which is facing a maturity wall in 2021. The group has 250 million euros of 7.25% uh, senior secured notes, and those are due in April 21. It also has an RCF which matures in January 2021. Now, the company has been struggling with its relatively high net interest expense burden, which was 24 million euros in 2018, compared with uh, just 36.2 million euros of unlevered free cash flow before changes in working capital. Aldessa had been att- ass- assessing its refinancing options with advice from Julian Loki and Elantra, with a group of bondholders being advised by PJT Partners and Millbank. However, in a notice which was released over Christmas, the notice stated that China Railway would be acquiring a 75% stake in, Al- in Aldessa in a deal which would include a 25 million euro capital increase. Okay. What, what effect has this announcement had on the uh, company and its bonds? Well, the immediate effect was that the, the bonds jumped up. Now, they rose about 30 points from around 50 to 88 off the back of the announcement. The group's existing shareholders, members of the Fernandez Ruiz family, stated that they remained committed to the company. For the shareholders, being left with 25% of the company represents a better option than a possible security enforcement by the 2021 noteholders, who could have just left the shareholders completely out the money with no stake in the business. Investors should, however, be cautious given the numerous precedents where foreign investors have announced or indicated an intention to purchase companies, but deals have later fallen through due to an instability, inability of the investor to raise funding or agree terms. Examples of this in recent history include Esteldi, Abengoa, and here in the UK, Thomas Cook's Chinese bidder. In short, there's still some deal risk present for Aldessa. Okay. Um, and what about the uh, 250 million euro, bond, uh, euro bonds? Excuse me. What is expected to happen uh, to those? Well, the bonds contain a relatively standard change of control protection, which is set at 101. In short, the covenant pr- provides that if any person, other than permitted holders, become the beneficial owner directly or indirectly of more than 50% of the total voting power of the voting stock of the parent guarantor, which is Grupo, Grupo Aldessa, a change of control will have occurred. Upon a change of control, note holders will have the right to require Aldessa, the issuer, to repurchase the notes at 101% of their aggregate principal, plus any accrued and unpaid interest and additional amounts. Now, the permitted holders for the purpose of that definition are under the notes are essentially the Fernandez Ruiz family and their investment vehicles. So if 75% of the total voting power of Grupo Aldessa becomes directly or indirectly beneficially owned by this purchasing Chinese company, then a change of control will be triggered. Is there any sort of way that the deal could be structured to get around the change of control provision? Well, the definition of uh, change of control in the notes relies on the US Securities and Exchange Act, or SEA, for interpretation of what it actually constitutes beneficial ownership. Now, the change of control provisions can be triggered by both direct and indirect ownership. So the structure of the purchase could be designed so that the Chinese company indirectly acquires a holding in Aldessa 
by instead acquiring a 75% share in one of the Fernandez Ruiz investment vehicles. You have to remember that those investment vehicles are actually permitted holders for the purpose of the notes. However, in our view, this structuring is unlikely to be sufficient to circumvent the provisions of the SEC Act as it would set a very dangerous precedent. Challenging such a structure would be a very easy win for note holders in the US court, given that the spirit of the SEC is to seek out the true beneficial ownership of securities, and courts are unlikely to allow such an easy circumvention. Now, the real weakness in the covenant is that the nature of the ownership of the Fernandez Ruiz investment vehicles is not fixed to what the ownership constituted at issuance. In other words, the investment vehicles are no longer permitted holders if they are not themselves owned by members of the Fernandez Ruiz family, which the document doesn't include. In practice, therefore, the change of control is going to be triggered and the transaction, if the transaction takes place, the group is going to have to repay the notes. However, given that the notes have passed their known call period, it is more likely the group can simply call the notes and save the 1% premium on the 101% change of control put. The jump in notes prices suggests that the market does expect the notes to be repaid. Okay, cheers, Sean. Uh, Luca, what's going on with McAfee? So, Officina McAfee Holding Company, Sechi, is going through a complicated restructuring process. The group has a series of businesses operating in different sectors, including energy, real estate, heavy machinery, and agriculture. Uh, they also have a cigar business, and the whole group has around 750 million of debt in total. Officine Maccaferri is one of the most important businesses for Sechi. Officine can boast a specific know-how in the Gabion retaining structure sector, where it is a market leader, uh, but it's overlevered, has been burning cash, and has uh, 190 million of notes due in January 2021. Therefore, any operation at the holding company level, which involves McAfee, should be conditional on a refinancing or a restructuring of the notes. In May, uh, seven companies of Seci filed for Concordato in Bianco, and the group presented a Concordato proposal for three of its subsidiaries on the 3rd of January, so uh, last week. Both Officina Maccaferri and the cigar business uh, Manifatture Sigaro Toscano, which is probably the most profitable business of the group, did not file for Concordato. The problem is that Sechi doesn't only need a debt restructuring, but also some new money to survive. Okay, that's interesting. Where do you think this new money could come from? So we reported this week that Sechi is uh, in negotiations with uh, investor groups that have uh, proposed deals involving the whole company and not only one of their subsidiaries, uh, so uh, Officine Maccaferri. Uh, so the first investor group is uh, uh, Officine Maccaferri's Bondholders Committee, which is led by Carlyle, and it's proposing a deal involving both Sechi and Officine. Initially, the bondholders group proposed to take over a majority stake of uh, Officina Maccaferri um, equity through a debt for equity swap, as well as providing new money. Uh, this group controls more than 50% of Maccaferri bonds and included uh, GLG and Schroeders uh, as long as uh, Carlyle. A second investor group uh, uh, is uh, um, made by HPS Investment Partners and Oxy Capital, and they presented a 200 million offer to rescue Sechi. It's unclear in what form the new capital would be invested in the group. 
And there is a third investor we heard about, which is Fortress. Uh, Fortress has been in talks with Sage and its advisors, but it's unclear whether it has presented a binding offer to the group. Uh, we also heard that the group is talking to other funds as well. Uh, we believe that Seichi will select one or more of these funds in the coming week. Uh, let's not forget that the Tribunal of Bologna will convene on uh, February the 4th to approve or reject the group's Concordato plan. Hmm. Uh, and what do we know about Seichi's Concordato plan so far? Well, the plan basically envisages the sale of uh, Seichi's energy, agriculture and real estate businesses and the survival of businesses like Officina Maccaferri, Manifatture Sigaro Toscano and the heavy uh, machinery company Samp. Uh, we also know it's going to be a five-year concordato plan and Seichi will keep its 51% uh, stake in uh, Manifatture Sigaro Toscano. This, along with some potential new money uh, provided to the group, the, the new money we, we already talked about, would help Seichi to pay the interest on its 90 million bond, which sits at the holding company level, as well uh, as uh, possibly rescheduling the terms of these notes. Okay, thanks, Luca. Uh, finally, Beatrice, can you shed some light on how the leveraged loan market has uh, started the year? Um, so it's been very active, actually, particularly compared to last year, which was super quiet. Most of the issuances this week have been loans, <clears throat> and the bond market has been comparatively quiet. The loans issued include some billion-plus financings for leveraged buyouts, um, including Cision, um, Sophos, and LGC, which is interesting compared to, to the end of last year when we saw a lot of smaller loan add-ons. Um, there are currently 5.36 billion or so equivalent of loans in the primary market, uh, in addition to the 2.3 billion euro repricing for Refinitiv. Okay. Um, could you let me tell us a bit more about these leveraged buyout financings and the, the investors' reaction to them? Yeah, so among the LBOs is Cision, which is a PR firm and is marketing a $1 billion term loan B um, and a 500 million um, euro term loan B to finance its, ac its acquisition by an affiliate of Platinum Equity. And um, sources have been quite uh, positive about this credit. Uh, the company has created technology that can track social media campaigns and can tell if a customer saw an ad on, on social media two, like two months earlier and then bought the product or so, um, later and things like that, which understandably has a lot of value. Um, so apparently it used to, to offer its more innovative products for free and now it's able to demonstrate to its customers uh, a tangible boost uh, to sales as a result of using these products. Um, then there was Sophos, um, which is also an LBO financing, uh, but that that one has received a more mixed response. It's a cybersecurity firm that's marketing a 1.43 uh, billion dollar uh, equivalent term loan B to uh, back its buyout by um, Toma Bravo, the U.S. Uh, private equity group. Um, and investors have said that Sophos basically is not as good as um, some other B2B cybersecurity companies and <clears throat> not as cash generative as some of the consumer-focused cybersecurity businesses that constantly release add-ons that everyone just buys automatically. Um, and also the capital structure is very stretched, sources think. Um, and the covenants seem to be very aggressive, reflecting quite a large equity ticket that Toma Bravo is putting in. 
But on the positive side, people have said that the, the products are quite sticky in the sense that um, smaller companies may not have cybersecurity knowledge within their in-house IT departments. And so once a company signs up to using Sophos, it might not want to go through the hassle of switching to a different provider. Okay, and have there been any credits that the primary market's been totally negative about? Yes, uh, they have been quite negative about Global University Systems, which is a Dutch education firm that's marketing a 980 million euro term loan to refinance part of its debt and pay a dividend to shareholders. People have said that the cash flow for this company is practically non-existent. EBITDA is also pretty much impossible to figure out because of all of the addbacks. One, one person even noticed that, um, noted that a lot of the elements that are characterized as non-recurring didn't convince him, like um, expenses on building and restructuring of campuses. Okay. Um, and uh, are investors expecting this level of activity to kind of continue and over what kind of time period? Yeah, so um, a number of people have said that they think the um, the macro scenario is going to stabilize um, in the first half of the year, um, and that'll allow, that'll allow uh, deals to come to the market that may have struggled to come uh, in 2019. Um, uh, at an investment bank that we spoke to, they said they expect about 10 billion euros of leverage loans to be issued in Europe during the first quarter. Um, so later this month, we expect to see um, the issuance of some loans and bonds supporting um, the uh, French production company Banerjee's acquisition of a another production group, um, Endemol Shine, which is the successor to um, Endemol, which created um, Big Brother, of course. Um, investors also expect um, some debt to be issued for Pure Gym's acquisition of Fitness World. And for um, the equipment rental company um, Bowls, um, which is acquiring um, Cramo. Um, and also there's going to be something for the um, for Platinum Equities acquisition of Biscuit International. Um, and then beyond the first quarter, there will also be the now much anticipated issue of um, some loans to support um, the pub company Stonegate's acquisition of um, another pub company, EI Group. Um, this deal was announced back in July, and um, the issuance is expected to include um, a leverage loan comprising 450 million sterling equivalent in euros and a 400 million sterling second lien facility. Um, but continued activity will depend on, on M&A activity, of course, and people have said that it's possible that the second half of 2020 will be less active than 2019 because of fewer acquisitions. Loan issuance will also depend on the health of the CLO market, people have said. And, um, and although we have started to see some debt raised for buyouts this year, um, as, I, as we said before, um, there, a number of people have said they don't expect the size of massive jumbo deals that we saw in uh, 2018 to be repeated this year. Great. Thanks, everybody, for coming along. Uh, you can, of course, read more about each of these situations on the Reorg website. And we'll be back with another Reorg Europe podcast in two weeks' time.